0: Merchant to Merchant is brought to you by Something Digital, a Magento Enterprise and Shopify Plus partner. Something Digital is an award-winning digital agency that will put your e-commerce site to work. Visit them online today at somethingdigital.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to Merchant to Merchant, the podcast for merchants and by merchants brought to you by Something Digital. We are live in Santa Monica, California at Bowman Hats. Can we make some noise? It's going to be an awesome night. Uh, tonight's topic uh, with our panelists is talking about purity of brand vision and how you execute uh, against a strategy in various parts of your organization. And um, I can't think of three better people to share this evening with, uh, so I'll let them introduce themselves one by one. Uh, Gabriel
1: White to start. Hi, I'm Gabe Schlumberger. I am the CEO of FitzFrames. We are a 3D printed custom glasses company um, trying to solve glasses for parents and kids. Great. Uh, Welcome, Tori.
2: I'm Tori. I'm head of marketing for a company called Christy Dawn. Uh, We're a sustainable women's clothing company um, based here in LA. Um, So we essentially use dead stock fabric for uh, all of our garments and everything is cut and sewn in our downtown Los Angeles factory. Um, And we have one store right here in Venice, or next door in Venice.
3: (laughs) Welcome. Uh, Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm the IT operations manager for Aloe Yoga. Uh, we are also based here in LA uh, with currently with six stores, including one right down the street from here and uh, if you 're not familiar with aloe we're the uh, well we 're obviously a yoga brand, um, and we definitely try to practice a lot of mindfulness and uh, incorporate a lot of yogis actually in our day to day life and when it comes to manufacturing and so on uh, and we have yoga studios in our, almost all of our stores as well as coffee as well so Practice what we preach as much as possible. Right,
0: and that's uh, sort of today's message is we're we're going to talk about how you uh, how you create a brand uh, and deliver on the promise of a brand that is very principled, and how how do you do that uh, and 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 stay true to your mission along the way in various areas of the organization. So, uh, Gib, can we start with you? Um, you you were telling me earlier. Uh, what makes fits frames different. You said that you manufacture them um, and 3D print them. Go into a little bit more about what that means and um, who who your customers are.
1: Sure. So we have an app you do a virtual try on, you try on your glasses, you uh, and then we scan your face and you have to pick your style and your color. Uh, We 3D print them in Youngstown, Ohio. Um, They're made to measure so they're custom fitted for your face and uh, and you can fit prescription, blue light, uh, sunglasses, um, it really came out of, uh, initially, our founder, Heidi, and, uh, and my experience as, uh, as parents of kids with glasses. We struggled to get good glasses for our kids and, frankly, to keep good glasses on our kids. Um, it was both, you ended up being a lot of compromises. It was a compromise of fit, you were compromising style, you were compromising, certainly, price. Um, and then if you did find something you liked, six weeks later they would lose or break them um, and then you would be shelling out another $600 for another pair of glasses if you happened to find the same pair that they had liked before. Um, and so really the frustration as parents of kids, um, I didn't grow up wearing glasses. I need them now because I'm old. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but really the frustration of just getting your kid to the store and getting, we, we said there's got to be a better way. And really Heidi spent a tremendous amount of time, she's got two kids in glasses and they, uh, they started with glasses at age two. Um, and so um, the frustration of getting kids to the doctor, to the store, getting them home, finding the glasses, getting the glasses back. And we said, there's got to be a better way. And we couldn't find it. So we ended up uh, having to build it. Wow. And uh, when
0: you're building things for children, parents are always super chill about that, right? Um,
1: They're a really easy market. No, absolutely no demands at all. Uh, yeah, I mean... We really, we didn't set out to start a glasses company. We set out to solve glasses. Um, and I think that it was really, the brand is sort of landed in that, um, is how can we make this easier for parents? How can we make this easier for kids? So our whole purchase process, we really tried to get it under five minutes, um, from the time you download the app to the time that there are glasses being, you know, queued up to be made in Youngstown, Ohio. Um, and so the... Every and it was actually a great dynamic between myself and Heidi. Heidi is very stringently a mom of kids with classes. I am sort of a technophile, and I'd be like, "Hey, we have this really cool thing that we can do," and she's like, "Doesn't make my life easier as a mom." Like, and I was like, "But what there's what about this thing?" And she's like, "No, nope, that's gonna complicate my life as a mom. Like, it's not gonna make it better." So it was a great um, truth telling to the experience. To you know, is this solving a legitimate problem that everybody has? Uh, Uh, Tori, uh,
0: this feels very much like the conversation we had before uh, the show started, which is um, you've put a lot of principles in place in manufacturing processes and uh, sourcing materials. Tell us a little bit about how Christy Dawn uh, is set up to deliver on that promise. And yeah. for people who may not know, you said a dead stock fabric. G- yeah. Give us a little bit of a background which on which is
2: which is an awful world. I mean, it's an, an awful an awful word rather. So right. so apologies, but so ultimately, at larger fashion houses, they they buy you know as much fabric as they think they might need for that season or for that year. But inevitably, they have a surplus, um, and they end up with x number of yards that feels like it's sort of useless to them. Um, and all of these textiles pile up and it aggregates either in someone's warehouse or in a place that chooses to aggregate them. But ultimately, if it's not used, it gets sent to a landfill. Um, and suffice it to say that uh, the earth is in a lot of trouble and that the fashion industry is is a huge contributor to that. Um, and, that's, and that's not even... It, there's so much around dyeing fabrics and the shipping processes and how that all is just adding up to, to this this massive problem. So ultimately Christy Dawn, I mean, it was started five years ago, so it's it's still very new. Um, and our founder Christy was just so inspired when she walked into a place downtown called Ragfinders that aggregates all of this call it excess fabric. Um, and there's tons and tons and, and tons of it. It's just not the most efficient raw material to work with because you end up with um, so few yards of so many fabrics. And so the economies of scale I mean, frankly, they just don't exist because you can only make two of something or five of something or 12 of something or whatever the case may be. Um, But she was absolutely, you know, just so committed to making use of this fabric and turning it into something beautiful rather than having it sent to a landfill. And so Chrissy Dawn was born and it was just a, a classic born from a garage story. And they started making dresses and women loved them and i think it's such a, an easy story to resonate with because it really is just so simple it's just taking something that already exists um, and and making good use of it uh, so yeah we we source all of our fabric locally um it's 100 dead stock fabric so fabric that would have otherwise ultimately ended up in the garbage and we repurpose it and we you know we do all of the work in-house downtown so all of the design work all of the markers all of the patterns all of the cutting all of the sewing all of the painful QA, because also remember that um, in some cases there's a reason the fabric didn't get used by a larger fashion house. It doesn't respond well to being cut, to being sewn, to being washed. And so for us, you know, there's there's that very critical part. We have to QA the actual fabric and, and see how it performs. Um, and then sometimes you do that, and you end up with five pieces and you still have to photograph it and you still have to put it on your website and you still have to you know sell it and pack it and ship it um and again that it's just the the ability to, to to scale like that is very challenging but there's absolutely no way that that we would do it any other way um and we have some really exciting things in the works, um, just to allow us to to get our hands on more fabric that we do feel really good about without violating our principles. Uh, So we actually planted seeds in India about a month ago so that we could grow cotton that isn't only sustainable, it actually is regenerative. Um, And that's a whole other amazing story. Um, But ultimately, yeah, and we've, I mean, we've been approached by so many people and they come in with this, you know, this angle of like, but if you only did it like this, and of course it's like sort of wrapped in this, in this like beautiful box, but really at the core of it, they're suggesting that we, that we move away from this model and we believe in just doing it the right way and things will grow over time and, and things will grow as they should. It's sort of the, the, the principle that we like to honor.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's nobody in this world waiting for you to fail in some way so they can hold you up as, you know, <laughs> uh, it's tough to have those sort of principles. Um, yeah. And I, I think that you said it best uh, that it limits your ability to expand and to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, would you describe yourself as slow fashion? Is that a, is that a term that is applicable? What's-
2: we are most certainly not fast fashion. And so I guess by virtue of antonyms, we are slow fashion. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're slow, but there's also th- so many things that we're able to do more quickly than other brands. Um, For example, we were talking before about about lead time. Um, For for many companies, and I think for Allo probably, it's like they have to plan their, you know, they're already planning like fall 2039 because that's how (laughs) far in advance you have to plan it. And like we haven't even thought about what we're doing for holiday yet because we're literally going to walk to, you know, it's like four doors down from where our office is, where we have all of our fabric that we've sourced over time that we keep. And we're gonna go down there, and as a team, we're collectively gonna pull fabrics and like take swatches of fabrics that we think are well suited for holiday. Mm-hmm. And then we're all gonna sit as a group and we're gonna talk about the sort of silhouettes and the and the designs and the things that, that we would like to see for holiday. And then we're gonna walk downstairs and have our production team start making samples of it. And then we're gonna, you know, QA and we're gonna see what we like and we're gonna make as many sort of pieces of, of each design as the fabric will allow. And that's and that's kind of it. So it's 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 a really quick lead time. It allows us to be incredibly, incredibly nimble. Um, but yeah our our goal certainly is not to you know Pump out as, as many units as we possibly can, mm-hmm. which it's interesting because customers, as much as they love what we're doing, when we sell out of things as we often do, or as we almost always do, because we make so few of them, they're like heartbroken and they're like, but please make more. <laughs> and we're like, but this, but we can't, we, we, don't, we don't have any more of the fabric. Um, so we are, we are not fast fashion, but we have the ability to move quickly in, in areas that other companies can't. So it's kind of interesting in that way.
0: Uh, speaking of moving quickly. Uh, Nick, you were telling me that aloe is growing quite rapidly. Mm -hmm. Uh, How many stores are you operating right now? Uh, We just opened our sixth store in Williamsburg. Okay. And uh, and so you're operating in how many regions then? Uh, just mostly for the retail world too, just uh,
3: focusing on Southern California as well as the New York. Hmm. Uh, your growth plans into next year are pretty aggressive, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll continue in New York, so we'll have another at least two stores, uh, Upper East Side, uh, Flatiron, which is going to be as well as a restaurant on top of it. Um, and then we have more stores coming in LA, and we're starting to move into San Diego and Orange County. Your um, Your inception as a brand started
0: in a much broader fashion, right? Um, tell us a little bit about how Aloe kind of focused in on yoga and how that led you to having more experience in store.
3: Uh, our owners, they, I think that they, they came from a yoga background, and, but not necessarily from a training or anything like that where they were yogis. They, they actually started practicing yoga on their own whenever they kind of, uh, had another company and they succeeded with that they, they took on yoga as well. Um. In fact, one has a back injury, <clears throat> which speaks very close to me because my wife has a very bad back injury, too. And yoga helped him immensely. And so they just kind of took that passion and brought it into something more. Um, and then they just kind of just kept growing and growing from there. And as they just and then eventually we had stores. And suddenly we have stores everywhere. And it's good. <laughs>
0: uh, so your role is in IT and operations. Yes. Uh, what kind of challenges are you facing as you're hitting that scale, trying to, you know, focus on that, we were talking about the purity of vision, you're focusing on growing, but you also mentioned mindfulness earlier. Uh, How how do you sort of implement the technology in a way that uh, sort of keeps those principles uh, at the fore?
3: Good question. Um, A lot of our... I'm just trying to do the best we can for technology for... I'm sorry.
0: Um, Like for the customer.
3: Yeah. Uh, for the, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to just do this again for the website. Is, is making sure that they have, it's easy for them to find what they want. And there's a lot, I, there's a lot of yoga brands out there. There's a lot of uh, like different, like, various, like, nuances between yoga brands. Uh, just trying to do the very best we can to make sure that we kind of show, like, wires are good. Uh, we try to use uh, a lot of social media as well to bring in people and show that, that this is actually stuff that you can actually wear during your practice. Mm. So I know I think a lot of people will buy yoga or look at yoga as just simply as people wear it on the street. But uh, we definitely practice a lot of studio to street so you can uh, wear it day to day and be very comfortable. Wear it to the studio the very same day and be comfortable. And, uh, and that, that, that takes some technology in that to making sure that people can see that. So, I mean, that's as simple as just could work on social media to make sure the web page shows things like it actually shows like movement. You can actually see people walk in our fabric in a way that actually take a yoga pose there and actually just walk. Um, mm. So, I mean, that's, I think, there. And then on the retail world, and just trying to make sure that people are able to try on their fabric and then understand and see it there. And we're looking at uh, smart mirrors, for instance, as an example. So people can see, like, this looks great on me, but I want to try a different color. Instead of having to uh, make their experience, like, you have to go change or anything like that, you can actually see it using AR in front of them like, instantly. Mm. So that's kind of things we're kind of experimenting with. So it's, it's high-tech meets... Uh, you know an actual practice of uh, like the actual experience of being able to walk right out and use yeah. the the product and we have something called Allla moves, uh, which is i can 't think of the best way to describe it like a comparison anyway, but uh, a moves is an app on your phone or your Apple TV where you can actually practice yoga with, an, yeah. with a guided instructor right then and there. Hmm. So it's, 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 it's really great. And then there's different classes between more physical yoga to more uh, meditative and actual just, um, like, this is mindfulness. Hmm. And, it's, you know, we don't, we don't push the product through any of that. We simply just, like, look, this is things that you can do with yoga and how yoga will benefit you. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So you're bringing the content side into the technology, the actual delivery. Right. Um, and it's not necessarily around a purchase experience. Right. Um, I, I'm curious for uh, a relatively new startup uh, in your side, Gabe, when, when you're thinking about your uh, your customer. And, you know, I'm sure that we mentioned before um, moms have, you know, have real other things to worry about. How do you sort of dispel any sort of fear uh, to them? How do you tell the story around uh, all the things you mentioned, the manufacturing, the, the sourcing, the local the actual local manufacturer. How do you tell that whole story in a way uh, that can resonate without being overbearing?
1: It's interesting. It's uh, it's it's not obvious how to do that. Um, it's definitely, especially when you have multiple facets to what you do. Um, you know, are we a high-tech glasses company that they're you know they're custom or are they custom? They made to measure. Are they custom fit. Or is it like we're trying to solve a, a problem? When we first started out. The first thing we did when uh, I came on board was we, we did interviews. Uh, we did sit-down interviews when we could, but uh, probably a hundred-some-odd phone interviews with, um, I could lie and say it was dads, but it was mostly moms, um, of kids with glasses um, to try and find out, hey, what are the pain points? Just, and, and the first question we always asked was, like, tell us about your day. Tell us about, like, what kind of stuff do you do with your kids? What's the, what, are the, the, what are the challenges you face, whether they're related to the glasses or not? And it was really interesting and revealing because the... Um, and it, it, it helped us tune the product in a lot of ways to the things that, you know, the challenges they faced weren't necessarily related to glasses, but they were tangential and they thought that they were things that we could actually solve. Um, and I think that definitely meeting them where, meeting your customer where they are. Um, secretly, about half our orders since we, we launched in, in August, by the way. Um, so we're relatively fresh. Um, about That's half. About, <laughs> um, I've aged about 25 years in that time. Um, <laughs> The, uh, but um, about half our orders are coming from adults, and so we're getting a ton of people who are reaching out, whether through customer service or on social media, um, saying, "Hey, do these work for adults?" We're a kid-focused brand, but honestly, it's obviously a problem. You know, finding glasses that really are in your style that fit you is a bigger challenge than you might expect. Um, a lot of times, and and I didn't actually, and this is something we didn't really realize, it was sort of it was uh... something that grew out of the kids space, but really like you can't really necessarily wear the style of glasses you want because they just don't fit your face. With our system, Pretty much any of our styles can fit any type of face. So if you have a wide bridge or a, or or ears at different heights, um, like, and so you get this weird thing where people are actually being able to finally wear a style that they've sort of envisioned themselves in for years, but haven't actually been able to wear. As opposed to like the two or three different styles they keep being shoved towards because of the because most of the glasses are built for the. Uh, for the be part of the bell curve. And so I think that the, the interesting thing there is both we're, we're meeting people where they are, we're talking to them on their own terms. Um, the product definitely grew out of that, but you're finding that if you come across as authentic and don't try and overwhelm them with too many stories at the outset, um, but really like kind of listen to your customers in as much as possible. Um, we try to follow up with every customer to see just how they like their glasses. You can do that when you are a month and a half old. Um, but we're definitely getting, and the neat thing about what we do, and actually what you guys do too, we've changed our design about seven times in the last month and a half. Um, we introduced new temples. We introduced we're introducing some new colors. We actually changed some of our rigging system, um, so the glasses fit slightly differently. The lenses fit a little bit differently, so we can accommodate bigger prescriptions, which is something we, uh, you know, we had people who were asking for uh, prescriptions that were well outside of our normal range, and we could make those running changes relatively easily and quickly Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that it but it all came out of just meeting your customer where they are and listening to them through the omni channels that they will that they will contact you through
0: Does any of that resonate with you there, Tori? I I assume that your customers probably, uh, you know probably comes to you with some
2: Yes. Yes. What, what, I, what, I, how what, do you say that? What, exactly? Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. yes. yes, they they come to us yeah. with it. Right.
0: I, <laughs> I I would assume that you're attracting a customer that has a lot of principles, and yes. you're meeting the principles that they espouse, right? So yes, you, absolutely. Yeah. How do you how do you sort of do that, and how do you tell those stories to them in a way that you know meets their expectation?
2: I mean, what's so beautiful about working for a company like Christy Dawn is that we we walk the walk of what we're doing so much. Frankly, this is a big thing for us right now is we don't do enough storytelling. Mm -hmm. We are so, um, frankly, busy right now just like managing the sort of day-to-day of of releasing so many new things and you know we all are are wearing so many different hats that it's not often enough that we sort of zoom out and think about how are we communicating the like the like really what we're doing because i think a year from now hopefully it'll be less christy dawn makes dresses and it'll be more christy dawn is a brand that cares about women cares about people cares about the earth um and here's how and here's why and like PS we have dresses Um, you know and so I'm I'm as a marketer getting more and more comfortable with like a very long sort of funnel where it's like if someone expresses interest or like you know feels interested in Christy Dawn maybe it's a recipe or a meditation practice on our journal and then 10 months later when that person needs a dress for a wedding they come to us I'm comfortable with that versus this world of like everything is so direct response and you want like the smallest attribution window possible and like how many customers can you get in 11 seconds um you're just like whoa my goodness calm down slow slower so uh... I mean, we have amazing people on our team. That um, we, we have a, a, a very wonderful principle of everyone just takes their time. And whether it's a dressmaker who's sewing something, or a pattern maker who's working on a new style, or someone who's on our customer service team or our social team, we we take the time to answer everyone very individually. Nothing is automated. So if someone has a question about an individual dress or a fabric or they reach out and they're like I love this style and I love the buttons from this style and I love the fabric from this style and I'd love for you to just combine them and send it to me which happens all the time we we will answer them and we will give them all the information they need because we're so proud of what what we're doing Mm -hmm. and so I mean really when when you know what you're doing and when you're so connected to all the parts of the business and when it all is just like functioning in one house it's it's you know I'm gonna use air quotes easy it's never easy, but it's, it's easier than I would imagine it is from other companies to sort of share and be really transparent. Mm.
0: I, I don't get the sense that Aloe could go about
3: making custom pieces for just about everybody. <laughs> that, um... Well, we try. I mean, we, we do. I mean, it, I def- we don't have the same, like, short lead time that you do, um, and it would be great if we did, uh, by all means, but we definitely try. So we... Uh, we talk to a lot of yogis like, every single day. I mean, you notice know, so our entire social media is nothing but yogis, and they talk to the people who actually practice yoga with them every single day, and then they feed the data back to Ups, and then they, you know, and then we basically b- build a product for the next time, and we roll new things like every few weeks. So while we necessarily can't do it as quickly as that, but within a few months, that we can incorporate what the yogis have taught us, mm. or what the what, what the people taking yoga taught the yogis, t- and the yogis taught us. To uh, to you know make those changes and make it better.
0: So wait, you're you're taking. Uh, let, let, let me make sure I understand. You have yogis that are part of your social media and monitoring your social media, who get direct feedback from their from people who they work with or their customers, mm-hmm. and they y- use that for product development. Like you're mm-hmm. crowdsourcing product development.
3: And in a lot of ways, I, mean, I don't think I've ever thought of it, but us, I guess we are. Um, so yeah, yogis tell us stuff. And I mean, students tell us the yogis, the yogis tell us, and we get a better product. Right. And so it's better for everybody. Yeah. It, when you have a, you know, such a
0: growth strategy and you're putting a lot of technology in all these stores, how do you sort of make sense of all of that? And how do you like keep that straight? Um, I assume that you have, you know, a not small IT organization, um, you know, or maybe you, maybe it is a small IT organization. What, What is your uh, what does your team makeup look like to enact all of this technology across all of these stores?
3: And how do you keep a consistent experience across all these places that you're growing into? It's a, definitely a long question. Yeah. Um, well, one you're thing you're is welcome. good. <laughs> 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 I'm definitely right up my alley. Yeah, um, <laughs> so this, is get, this is where I get comfortable, right? right. Uh, I mean, one thing always have good partners, you know, um, you know one step helps with there. Um, but our, we definitely have a, a much more leaner IT staff. Uh, we we have a lot of people with a lot of talent, a lot of passion. That's easily the biggest thing. So anyone on my staff, I've always hired not necessarily for their their experience, but also their, but more for their, their passion and the willing to learn. So yoga, I'm sorry, Ella Yoga is a very new brand, and so a lot of our people are brand new, and so uh, we're gonna, we're just bringing them on. So I I have a gentleman who is uh, was originally like a, just a regular like a computer desktop guy at another company. We brought him on. He had a passion for intelligence. And so he's now our uh, our our BI, business intelligence, and he's able to take all this data from all these different sources, from even from like the Wi-Fi inside the store, the traffic counters, the sales registers, the uh, the, uh, from the web page, and everything, and then turn it into a meaningful report uh, at the end using like what we call we use Power BI, for Mm -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. And it's it's fascinating that he's got that ability. He he developed that on his own. So we didn't hire him for that skill. He figured it out, and yeah, so that's that's the biggest way. Um, but yeah, and then really just find somebody who has a passion for something. Uh, we have another another gentleman who again was a desktop, and he was really interested in the stores. and practices yoga every day, as a matter of fact, and he is now in charge of uh, you know the, our day to day operations for the for IT support for the stores. Hmm. So yeah, it, yeah,
0: when when you have that day to day IT operation for the store, you. Uh, and you're operating so many stores you have all this data that sounds like it's a, a problem to solve in and of itself mm-hmm. um, you know does your technology and all your partnerships that you're using today scale with you into your growth plans for tomorrow do you what, what what's your what's your sort of outlook on uh, the way that you broaden into new
3: markets the way that you open new stores? can you utilize all the same partnerships? yes I, I think I'll, we're definitely ready for the next Big leap, you know. where Wherever it's six stores now, we, we, we'll use the exact same technologies now that whenever we're sixty stores, yeah. or so on. Absolutely. Wow. So we got to plan. You got to build it in advance. Yeah. You know, it's you. You have. You, you can buy a, a little, like little tow truck to get to from point A to point B, like a little hand cart or whatever. But you realize that hand cart's going to, you know, you're going to outscale the hand cart within a couple of days. You got to be, be ready to build that truck in advance. Mm. Um, and so you build it now, so whenever the time comes, there's no hiccups, there's no surprises. You already know with eyes wide open what you're, where you're going, and so you build it in advance. Yeah.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Something Digital. Something Digital is a full-service digital agency specializing in strategy, design, digital marketing, and more. Something Digital has award-winning creative design and world-class engineers who can deliver any size project, from concept to launch. Something Digital is a Magento enterprise and Shopify Plus partner. Put your e-commerce site to work with Something Digital. Check them out today at somethingdigital.com slash podcast. Tori, I saw you nodding. Uh, how can you build things in advance to kind of get into the... Uh, to to I mean
2: I have no idea. Yeah, you
0: <laughs> you're the head of marketing and growth, uh, so yeah. growth must be on your mind. Um, yeah, is it is it just about reaching more people and sort of widening the net, or is it about you know delivering you know more uh, over time?
2: Uh, we are very conscious of not growing just for growth's sake, um, and in in that respect, it's it's a very unique company and quite frankly, a really lovely place to work when the people that are that are sort of steering the ship, I mean, they would be so happy if I went to them and I was like, we had no new customers this month, but like five people wrote in saying that like they love their Christy Dawn dress and now they're drinking herbal tonics. I'd be like, that's fine. That's great. It's <laughs> totally cool. Um, so yes, we want to grow because we believe that what we have to offer is important and we want to share it with more people um, for for sure. But but we don't want to grow just for growth's sake. Um, we would rather have it happen in a really controlled and sort of organic and meaningful way than anything else. Um, and I think like, you, you can plan and, and you can build like a super massive truck and all these wonderful things. I also just think like, you, can't, you, just, you can only envision what's gonna happen and plan for it. With a, with a very, like, it's very unlikely it's actually going to happen like that. Um, you know, and so it's much easier to sort of connect the dots looking backward than it is looking forward. And so for us, it's kind of like we, we look at small windows of time and we think, what do we want to do in the next season or in the next few months that's, that's meaningful to us and that we think is going to make us feel proud and sort of evolve as a brand more than just growth for bottom line sake or for like new, new customers sake.
0: From like a, a nuts and bolts tactics point of view, what are you doing to try to acquire new customers now? Is that is that something that you f- focus on a lot?
2: Yeah, I mean it is. So in our marketing e- in our marketing ecosystem, um, you know, about 75 percent of our marketing budget is is currently on uh, paid social ads, um, and constantly thinking about even even in that specific channel, how do we when you have you know 0.3 seconds of of someone's time, how do you reach them and communicate with them and like try to sort of share the magic of what we're doing in such a short amount of time without going the like really easy route of like $15 off your first order Um, and that's really important to us like even in those channels that are so focused on discovery and on acquisition how can we still remain true to who we are and beyond that, we've you know we focused on some really strategic partnerships, be it with other brands that have shared values or other people that have shared values. Um, and we also have an amazing and incredibly loyal customer base. I mean, our, our not to be nerdy, but our sort of like lifetime value is it's unbelievable. It makes my job very easy, quite frankly. Um, and we have so many people that are that are willing and, and sort of wanting to to share the Chrissy Down story. And so it's like, okay, well what can we give them? What what assets can we give them to, to share that story and to and to do it in sort of a meaningful way? Um, and so even just word of mouth or like referral programs and things like that have been have been so helpful for us because people are always so so eager to share.
1: I think that's that's actually really interesting. I think both of you guys have really great brands that have sort of maximized lifetime engagement, Mm -hmm. not just lifetime value out of the customer. Mm -hmm. Like, you have multiple ways in which people connect with with the brands, and, like, the overall time spent thinking about or engaging with the brand is Mm -hmm. wildly, I would guess, wildly over-indexes, you know, going into a a standard store and buying, you know, something else. And I think that, I mean, that's sort of what we look to, you know, admittedly, you know, we're a month and a half out, so TBD. Um, But I think that, you know, Optimizing that, that long-term engagement with your customers, I think, and you know, is, is definitely how we intend to build a business. It also changes the, your decision-making, right? It changes the, rather than that pure acquisition or just trying to churn for sales, you're really trying to optimize for how many touch points am I going to make this person feel great about their experience with, with the brand. We do
3: various things very similar with the ala moves and so on. You know, it's not just we sold to you and it's it's there it is. It's we don't talk to you anymore. we make sure that you're actually, you know, really happy with it, you know, through whether it be home practice or studio practice. So you can you can meet
0: people in store, you can meet people in their homes, you meet people online. Uh, from a from Fitz Frames perspective, what what are you doing to try to attract Customer, uh, most of your customers are new customers, right? So, uh,
1: almost one hundred percent of our customers <laughs> are new customers.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what do, you, what do you do to educate the customer? They're probably not looking for you by in branded terms, right? So, how do you make them aware of FITS Frames?
1: It's funny. The um, I'll answer it in two parts. One, when you're going after kids, you're going after moms. So, we're trying to we're going to where moms. are are talking about glasses or where they, you know, we're targeting places where they might be looking for kids' glasses or glasses for themselves. The interesting thing that we were warned of before launch, they are like, the people who need you most are going to find you. Um, there will be word that gets out. And so in the first two weeks, we got hundreds of inbounds of people who are like, hey, my kid has um, a, a slight craniofacial malformation, or I have a plus 14, um, or, you know, do you you know, can you make, uh, can you make custom glasses and, and by trying to accommodate those people in as much as we could, the, it's, it really grew an engaged user base of people um, in the kids glasses space because I think that um, it, it is because it is a necessity rather than a sort of luxury in uh, eyeglasses, whether you're a kid or an adult, um, you end up asking, the first especially when you first find out your kid needs glasses, the first people you ask are other parents. Um, of kids with glasses and it's actually how, it's how I met Heidi she's another mom at my, uh, at my at my kids school and when I found out that my son needed glasses it was like oh shit what do we do now mm-hmm. uh, and so we asked the other parents of kids with glasses um, and so the new customer acquisition for us we really do try to both go to where they are um, so we're doing some sort of very targeted and, and our our best stuff has been really sort of targeting the not necessarily the the search terms that you would uh, ex- you would I mean we do the standard block and tackle Facebook and and Google search terms but really trying to ferret out where are people spending their time where are they thinking about this stuff where are they talking about it um, and then arming the people who are getting glasses um, and we're seeing this you know a month and a half in with the people, the referrals. We know we don't have a formal referral or affiliate program, but we're seeing people who are already referring other people and other parents. Um, And especially, actually, it's growing the adult side of the business massively because it's people like, hey, I just got my glasses. They're awesome. We really like the experience. I got them really quickly. You know, the box is really fun, and, uh, and they're the lightest glasses, and they fit right out of the box. Amazing. We want to give them the tools to tell 10 of their friends. Um, so I think that maximizing that and really, you know, turning your customers into your advocates is what we've been focused on.
0: Can I, can I follow up with that? You were telling me earlier that you're also, like, doing the boots on the ground method where you're actually going and uh, meeting with people and doing try-ons in schools, right?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, we actually did our first um, fitting in a school in Pittsburgh uh, last Friday. Um, with our social good partner Vision to Learn, they're a great organization. They do uh, eye exams for kids in underprivileged schools, um, and so uh, we actually did a partnership with them. We went into the first school in Pittsburgh. We measured a bunch of kids, um, and we're actually it's a science and technology magnet school, um, and so they were very excited about the three D printing aspect. Um, and they're going to be doing a tour of our factory in Youngstown in uh, in a few weeks to receive their glasses. Um, it. It is the, the truth-telling of the experience, and we've done a couple of pop-ups. Um, we'll be at the Brentwood Farmer's Market on Sunday, uh, if you'd like to stop by our booth. Um, it doesn't drive a huge number of sales, but it's direct interaction with the customer. You're seeing them where they are, where they live. You're talking to them directly. You're seeing them use your app in different ways than you actually anticipate. It allows you to... We throw off so many digital fingerprints, and we infer intent or things that, you know, whether it's from with the website or analytics in the app and when you actually see people using it in the wild and you're seeing what's actually driving those analytics you realize that maybe your inferential uh, assumptions around what you're seeing from digital fingerprints aren't necessarily the same and your customer journey isn't quite exactly And so I think there's really no substitute to actually just getting getting in and interacting with your customers
2: And it also gives them an experience that they're quite likely to share with someone even if it's six months or a year from now when said person is you know thinking about getting new glasses and they're like oh wow i I watched someone 3d print these glasses once so it's it's tough to measure those things and maybe it takes a while to sort of you know pan out but there's lots of lots of value in that for sure i think tori you uh
0: i'm sure nothing is happening that's causing you any problems right now what kind of challenges Uh, are you facing right now in the business and how are you overcoming those like what are you going to have to do to make 2020 uh you know a a successful year from end to end
2: you know there are no challenges just opportunities right (laughs) um i think the the biggest opportunity honestly right 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 now is is growing our team and just finding Mm -hmm. finding the right people that are that that believe in what we're doing and that believe in magic and that are sharp and that sort of want to come in and like get their hands dirty and sort of and just sort of help um... I'm so used to just kind of being in the trenches and doing everything myself, and it's taken me quite a while to realize that that's not a sustainable approach, and if you have really smart people around you, you can kind of do anything. If you get a bunch of smart people and you get them in a room together and they all are sort of aligned and they all care about the same things, it's just the rest just kind of all happens. Um, so it's not a challenge, but it's a big opportunity. Um, I think for us, you know, th- this sort of production planning and skew assortment thing is something that will always have room for improvement. Um, we will never stray from this, this model that we have right now. Um, but there is an opportunity to be a little bit more strategic around, you know, what are our core products and how do we make sure that they're relatively well stocked for the people that love them? And then how are we treating things that are more sort of seasonal or call it special because there's so few of them? And can we think about it um, and sort of zoom out a little bit more? Um, and I think if we just sort of like turn some of those dials a little bit, it could have a big impact. And again, not just for bottom line purposes, but really so that the many women that have like signed up for the back in stock email about one dress can maybe get that dress. And, the, you know, they, they can they can be happy about that. Um, yeah, aside from that, I, I think there's a huge opportunity, again, to just tell the story in a, in a really meaningful way um, and just give ourselves permission to... To zoom out and and to think more and more about that and to trust that telling the story and, and connecting with people meaningfully is probably the most important thing and, and sort of like product push is honestly really secondary. Uh,
0: meeting the person where they're at, like knowing who they are is the most important thing.
2: Knowing who they are, but, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I think there's a tendency or it, it, it can feel really attractive to um, try to be... You know, well suited for everyone, and it's like, well, if we do this bit of content over here, then it will it'll work well for this person, and if we do this over here, it'll work well for this person. And there's always this balance of like, yes, you want to have sort of wide appeal certainly, but also you want to stay true to who you are and trust that, you know, your your vibe attracts your tribe, and that's just kind of how it is. Um, and so we we aren't afraid. We have a few things that are happening in the not so distant future that um, some people look and they're like. What are you doing? Uh, For example, we're giving away, I think, close to 2,000 organic menstrual cups, and we're quite literally giving them away. So if someone can order them, it's zero dollars. We pay for the shipping. Um, And you know, we had a board meeting, and I was like, (laughs) it was just completely silent. And we are like, no, no, this is a good idea. and it's because, you know, and it's not about getting new customers and it's not about, like, this whole, like, complicated strategy of retargeting them. It's more about, you know, we care about women and we think this is an interesting sort of um, thing that a lot of people are curious about but, but maybe, you know, are hesitant to try. And so if we can get behind it, what does that do and, and who does that reach and who's already there and are we meeting them and then what happens? So, you know, there's, there's fun little experiments like that that, that we're excited
1: about.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm sure your challenges on the technology side are, are quite different. What kind of challenges are you facing at Alo Yoga, there, Nick? And what what can you do uh, to set yourself up for a success as you, like you, as in your words, as you build the
3: truck, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of sleepless nights happen if you're trying to plan like a year or two years or five years in, a plan, uh, in advance. Um, the biggest thing is, <clears throat> well, no... No, no plans to so contact with the enemy. So we are building this truck in what we think it's going to be like in five years, and realizing things have changed or ideas have changed. Um, so it's really just well, it also like getting ahead of things. So if yeah, payments actually is a great way, I think mm-hmm. the best thing I can think of. So payments is changing at a very rapid thing. People are now paying with their watches. We didn't see that coming, you know, a few years ago. Not too many people did. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being ready for that. And especially, a lot of our customers are very tech savvy. And so just, uh, just whatever's next, like uh, whether it be like Alipay or anything like that from International. Right. And just planning, being ready for that. Uh, International is a humongous part of our business. Uh, a lot of people come from other countries to, and visit our stores whenever they're in town. Uh, and being ready to take that kind of payment and dealing with that sort of, like, banks. And it's really hard to predict and plan for something that's uh, happening, you know, 6,000 miles away. Challenges you're going to have to overcome. You don't even
0: know.
1: No, I don't even know. (laughs) Um, It's, this is, it's... It feels like child abuse at this point. Like I, I've, I'm so beat up from all of the challenges. Uh, when I first came on full time, it was uh, in April of twenty eight, May of twenty eighteen, um, and I I looked at my notes and I was like three months to build it, a month to beta test it, and then we'll launch in July of twenty eighteen. Um, we launched in August of twenty nineteen. Um, so there were. I think part of uh, eventually, you know, part of the advantage of being vertically integrated and owning your entire destiny from your app and your customer acquisition all the way through your manufacturing and fulfillment will eventually pay dividends. Um, it was the it was the hardest thing I've ever done um, building the entire pipeline, and I I've worked in IT. Um, I this was an inc- incredible challenges. I think that the um, our biggest challenges, honestly, are. Um, what to say no to. Like, there are so many things that we can do. It's really... And, and we're throwing great ideas off the boat at this point. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that we actually had a... We had a feature uh, brainstorm across the company uh, a few weeks ago, and we realized that, okay, we have 20, 28 or 29 great ideas. We can really tackle five. Um, and so it's... I think our biggest challenge is really increasing our... Bandwidth for iteration um, and our bandwidth to be able to incorporate and and do new things um, and also you know be be reactive across the board um, we can be very reactive to the customers and what we 're seeing it's um, very early days, but you also have to have the sort of guiding stars of what are we actually trying to you know are we are we ac- still headed towards accomplishing our ultimate mission of just solving classes um, and so you know, there's a lot of potential diversions, especially you know, as a um, as a <laughs> as a young startup. Uh, you know, between fundraising and um, every conversation sort of draws you in a new direction, um, and uh, you know, there was a lot of. We had some early conversations there. We were like, yeah, we're going to solve kids' glasses. And we had some, some VCs who were like, that's great. We'll give you a ton of money right now if you ditch the kids' thing and go to elder care. Because old people all wear glasses and lose them all the time. Um, and we were like, we waited for about half an hour. We were like, it doesn't really feel true to who we are. Um, it's going to be a great business one day. I'm happy to help you set that up if you'd like. Um, but uh, but I think that, yeah, it's it's really... it's It's culling down the great things you could do um and really staying aligned to the vision are those are going to be our two biggest challenges yeah.
0: well i couldn't think of a better place to end it because uh, it loops right back around to our topic this has been fantastic uh, thank you so much and uh thank you everybody for coming out uh, uh now i do the podcast thing which is we want to hear from our audience and uh if you want to lend your voice to this conversation, you can do that at podcast.somethingdigital.com. And please give us a five-star rating and a review uh, everywhere where podcasts are found because it helps us get this show to other people. Um, okay, so I'm sure you have questions. What questions do you have for our panelists? Um, I'd like to know
1: in regard to Instagram and to tell you, oh, don't make every post product related, you have to do, like, lifestyle and things like that, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, looking at different Instagram sites for companies, some of them do completely product related, and me as a consumer, I don't care about the lifestyle stuff, if you have products to sell me, I want to see what they are, Mm -hmm. and I want to go to your site,
3: (laughs) but, so you get, like, these two schools of thought, I'm just curious what,
2: what you guys...
0: Like Like branded versus performance, like who? who? Yeah.
2: Uh, There's no formula. There, there is no right or wrong answer. I think it would entirely depend on the brand, and I also think you just don't know until you try. And you know, it's important to to try different things and measure them and and see the impact that each of those has. for us it's a very healthy mix for sure i mean we release so many new products i think we released like 83 new styles last month or something crazy like that and so just by virtue of of having that that much volume of new product it occupies a a lot of our instagrams real estate but then we're pretty we're pretty conscious about i mean just because we want to sharing other things sharing quotes sharing recipes sharing things from our journal sharing behind the scenes in the office and and people love it. Um,
1: you do that all in the same Instagram, you don't have like two, one for lifestyle,
2: one for product. Oh goodness no. God, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so much work. No, it's it's all housed in one place. Um, yeah, and it's interesting to see. I mean, people, there are definitely patterns. There's also like some, there's so many variables. Sometimes it's, it didn't do well because it was a Tuesday at two. You just, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, but we know that we've we've seen for, that people love, you know, they, they love seeing our dressmakers. They love knowing that this is the person that sewed my dress in downtown Los Angeles. They love seeing the role of, this is the big one, like the, the role of fabric and then the finished dress and it like puts it all together and it's like, oh my goodness. So, you know, but then yes, you, you want to show the, the finished product because it's beautiful and you're proud of it and you probably want someone to buy it. So, um, yeah, I would say test and try different things and, you know, then test it and try something new again.
1: I mean, I think that all three of our brands have the advantage of their things that are on, on people. Um yes. so your product shots or your your product shots are inherently lifestyle shots um yes. or you know every so often you know we have a lot of photos of glasses on tables, but also like for the most part, you know we tend to show people doing things in our glasses um so it's it's convenient that way I would imagine also yeah i i i' am familiar with Alo's social so uh yes. yeah there's a lot of shots of people doing strange enough yoga (laughs) Uh,
3: and i'm by no means a marketer of course but yes it's uh, of course everyone's always wearing aloe during the shots but uh there's a lot of mindfulness as well i I think as well and also we have ones for like the main aloe yoga brand there's one for la and there's one for new york where there's a lot more local events happening uh we then you know use the for the la one for instance for something kind of like this, this on the street uh but yeah there's always like you said it's they're always wearing our things because it's easy to show, you know, they're wearing, they're wearing the, the product and they're doing yoga a certain pose or just, you know, whatever. Um, so you have,
0: uh, have a very unique production, uh, strategy, um, which I wonder as you've, you've done this, you've thought about, like, when did you realize 3D printing wasn't just the way that you were going to sort of test things out, it was going to be the long-term answer, and have you thought at all, because I know a lot of other people in retail are thinking about how this production method gets applied to a lot of different products, and, you know, the warehouse in the future just has 3D printers with a bunch of
1: different kinds of
0: extrusion Yeah. product.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I, honestly, we never set out to be a manufacturer. We just wanted to find better glasses for our kids. Um, and I think that the technology may or may not have matured uh, far enough. Uh, we're, we're pushing the limits of what you can actually do with eyeglasses uh, in 3D printing. Um, our eyeglasses are, they're 100% 3D printed, so the frames are 100% 3D printed. The temples pop off, we actually print in the hinge. Um, and so, mostly we made that choice both because uh, my son broke a bunch of hinges, and we had a lot of safety pins uh, or screws, um, but also because it shortens our supply chain. Um, we ha- our inputs are nylon powder, water, dye, and electricity. Um, and I think that it's we're in the. I think that wherever you have a product that has a human interface. Um, I think there's really going to be an incentive to go mass custom in the future. You know, we've been toying around with it for a long time. I think there's been, you know, people have tried this out. You know, where you see this start to happen is in orthotics or, uh, you know, starting with us and eyeglasses. Um, And, you know, some, you know, the um, 3D printing is being used uh, for a lot of the uh, um, orthodontics, uh, the braces, Invisalign. Um, I think that... The neat thing about it is that we're pretty nimble, and we can make a running change really quickly. And we're in Youngstown, Ohio, so our supply chain is a few miles. We drive our glasses a few miles down to our lens supplier, um, who, and then we fulfill from there. So ultimately, you know, our carbon footprint's really small. Um, our we our boxes are mostly post-consumer product. We strive to not have any additional plastic. Ironically enough, because we're making plastic glasses, um, but any additional plastic in our packaging. I think it's sort of the way that things are going to be going. And I think that shortening the distance, you know, and there there are advantages that we ha- that it we really built the system and the manufacturing to advantage the customer. Do you um, own manufacturing? We own manufacturing. Okay. Yeah. Um, are there uh, entities out there? Are there contract manufacturing? Could you have found someone to do this for you? We looked pretty hard. We couldn't find anybody who could really do it at the scale, speed, and price. Um, and we really did it, and we set it up because it was ultimately to the goal of solving glasses. We wanted to be able to get people glasses in about a week. We're not quite there yet. We're at about nine days from the time somebody downloads the app uh, and, you know, on average about nine days. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but Ultimately, like it was really driven to the customer's desire to have soft glasses, and we figured the only way to do that was to manufacture domestically, which everyone told us we were crazy, um, and to use additive manufacturing, which everyone told us we were crazy. TBD, but we think we're onto something. Um, and I actually, and I actually, and I actually think that you know, sort of, you know, your manufacturing shifted over the last 20 years from, you know, domestic manufacturing to mostly manufacturing on a CM line in China and then uh, shipping it here and warehousing it and fulfilling through a 3PL. I actually think that there is a lot of incentive in the market to reevaluate that whole manufacturing line. And you guys are doing it, obviously. Um, you're fulfilling out of your factory. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fascinating. I actually think that for, especially for stuff that has a direct human interface and that is, that is more custom or more suited to a smaller niche of customers, I actually think that manufacturing is gonna shift uh, in, across the board. Um, and it's, one of the, it's both one of our big challenges to your earlier question, but I actually think it's also one of our big advantages. We're learning a tremendous amount um, and we're building our systems to be able to support that, you know, for eyeglasses, but it's applicable to a lot of different other things. Time for one more, one more question. I'm just curious if, with regard to your marketing, any of you use influencers or celebrity
0: promotions? So why, much. Or
3: why not? <laughs> so much, huge amounts. Um, again, I'm not in marketing, so but uh, influences is, is a humongous part of our. I mean, the yogis are influencers. Uh, it, just tons of them, and that's why every single person on our uh, social media feeds are always yogis. Uh, and then there's also we have a, a street team, for instance. Um, that basically helps as well. Um, that they basically pick up our, you know, they buy our clothes uh, at a discount, I believe, and then they uh, wear it just basically on the street. And uh, people ask, like, where'd you get it from, or just seeing the logo, logo. So, but tons of it. It's been successful. It's hard to quantify. I think, like, saying how successful, but it's been successful.
2: Uh, short answer is yes. Not, not a ton, it's not a huge focus for us. Um, we don't pay influencers and we've never had a, a paid uh, like celebrity collaboration. We really only want to work with people that they really like what we're doing. And so they they want to get addressed cuz they, they love what we're doing and it's and we would never want it to I don't think we've ever sent an influencer like a a discount code to to share on their with their post that just wouldn't feel super authentic for us. It's kind of more of a like, you know, if you like it, here you go and like do with it what you want. And it seems to work. It's super authentic and I think consumers can can feel that even if it's on a subconscious level, they can feel that when someone genuinely is like sharing their dress or whatever it is because they love it. It,
3: it, it it
2: really has this like different sort of like genre to it mm-hmm. um not to just get weird. Well, you know.
3: I should say that all the influencers, we don't seek them out. They generally come to us. Yeah. Because yeah, they'd like us. Right. So.
2: And it's I mean, obviously very different when there's people that are so well respected in the in the yoga space and the sort of sustainable dress space is very different. So short answer is yes. It's not like a huge priority for us and it's certainly not a huge amount of where we sort of, you know, put our resources. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and we're, we're a word-of-mouth driven brand, I mean, and I think that, you know, to, to the broader thing, it's really aligning that with your authenticity. So you're not just, you know, trying to get them onto somebody who wouldn't uh, otherwise wear glasses um, or wouldn't actually, you know, be discerning enough. Because um, I think that, you know, you can, you can pay your way into a lot of things um, and it will just be apparent that you've paid your way to have somebody uh, wearing or talking about your, your product. Um, but I think that if, you, if it's landed in that, that same authenticity and you're sort of like, you happen to find somebody in the same space um, who, you know, and encouraging them to try your product and if they like it, talk about it, I think is is really effective. Um, and, you know, so long as it's really landed in the authenticity of the brand.
0: Well, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we have a little bit more time in the store. I encourage you to try some hats on and take some fun pictures. Remember, uh, share the... Uh, the pictures that you have taken out on social with the hashtag merchant to merchant and visit podcast.somethingdigital.com in the next week. Um, Fingers crossed. (laughs) Uh, In in the next week or so. And uh, subscribe so that uh, you can get notified whenever we have another one of these. But uh, thank you so much. And thanks to Bowman Hats.
1: Thank you all.